Alright, everybody, welcome to the January 31st edition of Cascadian Views. This is take two of the opening, since I forgot to record the first day. Uh, I got Dan and Chris with me here today, and we have uh, a fair bit of news this week. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah, let's say about the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of life right now, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's doing okay. It's like a couple months ago, so. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the first thing we'll talk about is uh, more of the Biden administration's first step. We covered this briefly last week. We are now at the point where uh, Biden broke the 50 executive order mark yesterday. Only 24 of those have been published so far. We're still waiting for the official federal registrar to get us about half of them. Uh, but he, he seems to be governing primarily through executive action, at least at first. The, the things he can do quickly, I guess, he's doing through executive action up and down. Right. Yeah. And a lot of that's necessity i mean there's a lot of uh high urgency things and a lot of things that uh trump did by executive action that you know biden is now reversing and overturning and just kind of flicking the switch in the other direction which you know the next president can certainly do the same um but also legislating is going to be really really hard <laughs> right he most recently and consequentially, I think, in the last couple of days, he added one that reopens Obamacare marketplaces that had been shuttered by the Trump administration, and it lowered uh, the barriers to joining Medicaid that the Trump administration placed at the federal level. It also, um, a second executive order on the 28th, ended the Mexico City policy, which restricts funding from the U.S. government to non-governmental organizations that even mention abortion exist to people. Right. Um, there are three more that have been signed but not yet published. Uh, they're scheduled to be published February 2nd. Uh, that's going to be ending the Remain in Mexico policy uh, for asylum seekers. That's going to uh, begin the rollback of the public charge rule, which imposes a wealth test on immigrants. And then uh, the third executive order scheduled to be published on the second is going to create a task force to uh, try to reunite families uh, that were separated at the border. We are unable to locate the parents of a substantial number of children that, that we took. Um, more than the Trump administration led on, the numbers that I was seeing uh, come out this week where I, I think the hundreds, I think we still have like 250 kids that we have no idea what happened to the parents. We lost the parents uh, yeah. after we took the children. So there's going to be a whole ass department of the government set up to try and, and put those kids back with their families. Strong start. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, doing what has to be done because it's just an atrocity, at least that in particular, the last that you mentioned. But again, everything else, there's just a lot of work that's been left to do by this administration and a lot of damage to try and get undone. Kind of on that note, and part and parcel with the executive orders, we've gotten some more confirmations. Janet Yellen is now Secretary of the Treasury, I believe the first female to ever be the Secretary of the Treasury. 
Um, yeah. And Anthony Blinken is now the Secretary of State. Um, I guess there's a bit of a Republican filibuster for Mayorkas at Homeland Security, but he is expected to break through that at the beginning of next week. Anybody else you're keeping an eye on? trying to think so those are all the major posts i guess because we've got defense is already going wait where's garland in the process he's an attorney general too yeah let me look that up i would love to see the republicans say anything about that one yeah no kidding uh he has not had his hearing yet the senate judiciary committee is expected to announce at some point very soon the date for this hearing I'll look forward to Lindsey Graham's principled statement of opposition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, like I said, Mayorkas is facing a little bit of a filibuster. Um, Does anybody have kind of the pulse of what the reason for that is? Um, I think it wasn't Hawley that was leading that one. I want to say... And I want to see what it was about exactly. He has broken through um, that filibuster, by the way. Um, Okay. They just had to wait a while to do it, so it's going to take a few more days to get confirmed. They're expecting that to be early next week. Okay. Let's see see what the specifics were on that. Uh, I guess it was Cornyn who was leading that. Um, and he he was filibustering it in order to have an additional hearing uh, because he wanted to know more about what Mayorkas was going to do to uh, not let the Biden administration immigration policies go forward, which, yeah. you know, good luck with that. Yeah. There if you go, wanted yeah. to control immigration policy, you should have won the election. <laughs> So I guess it's still moving right along, and they'll be. I'm. I'm sure getting to the more. I guess. I mean, they're all crucial, but the not as top tier members of the cabinet with their confirmations shortly, and of course having to double track that with the impeachment. Yeah. Yeah. So they have about a week to do work this week. Mm-hmm. And then next week will be at least a few days of impeachment. <laughs> we uh, That actually brings us nicely to our next topic here. Um, the president has lost basically all of his defense lawyers. And there's a strong possibility he will be representing himself. I, I don't know if you guys caught that, but... He has inquired with the Senate, and they did confirm that he has floor privileges, should he want them. Uh, He'd have to request to be his own defense, but they would be likely to grant it. So if you you guys want the the full crazy, it is actually on the table. (laughs) The whole thing is remarkable. I mean, that kind of doubles down on what I've already been saying about it, which is, the Senate Republicans basically gave him a pathway to be acquitted. (laughs) They said, make this argument. We are already on board with this argument and you will be acquitted. 
and he's just blowing it up. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Uh, the lawyers, there's some speculation that the lawyers left because Trump insisted on making it a re-litigation of the election and his defense being that the election was stolen. It is notable the timing. This is like five days before the Senate officially starts and like seven days before the trial begins. That's when all these lawyers quit. He has a week. Like less than a week to have a butt in the seat and a week to have an actual competent lawyer. <laughs> so the, the timing on this is really whack. Boy, I mean, Ivanka must be fretting. Yeah. He's not going, I mean, I, I saw that, you know, Bannon was encouraging him to just go to the Senate himself, you know, do a pro se appearance. But, I mean, he's not going to do that. So, I mean, he's asked how possible it would be. Yeah. I mean, that just boggles the mind to even imagine. Yeah, but I can't imagine that's what would happen. And if he doesn't and he doesn't have anyone there, I mean, is it, I could imagine what just Lindsey Graham kind of taking the case up for him or something. I have no idea. On the other hand, if he does show up and it's just a full-throated defense of the attempted coup and how this is all a lie and that he really won the election, do you think yeah. it moves some votes? I think it might cement at least the Republicans that are going to co- convict. So it might, you know, steal up, uh, was it Ben Sass? I think, was one of the ones who voted, you know, against the Rand Paul motion to just call the whole thing a sham and unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So probably cements Ben Sass to convict uh, maybe Murkowski and Collins too. And Romney, I think we're all assuming he's going to vote to convict him again since he'd already done it before. Yeah, Romney's the only one that I feel real solid about because he's already <laughs> been down that path. Yeah. I'm not sure if it moves in for that seat. He, yeah. And you know what? Romney actually emerged from that pretty unscathed. Like, even Trump wasn't that pissed at him for that long. Like, there were a couple of angry tweets, but he forgot about Romney fucking quick. Yeah. Uh, Which, honestly, like, I was A, surprised about, and B, might be a more or less decent signal for a lot of Republicans to break with him if, you know, they ever work up the nerve to. But if he can't hold his attention long enough to actually cause you any pain, there's... The more he gets tanked, I mean, the more certain I think you've got it that he's never going to get back on Twitter to slam them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, what can he do to you? And really? it's not like he's taking advantage of the microphone. I haven't seen any clips of him going on Newsmax or Fox or anything. It's not like he's done anything to replace Twitter to get his voice out there. He's been remarkably quiet. He's, you know, put out that one press release announcing the office of the... Uh, what is office of the former president or something like that president yeah yeah his little trailer down in south florida somewhere but it's actually living in his club and that's causing some problems because he signed a legal document with the city acknowledging that he would never live there in order to get uh (laughs) zoning variants approved to expand the club there's Uh, the neighborhood yeah and uh this is like this is something that's been in the background and people have known about, but the city's opened a natural legal investigation into it now. Um, last week, they began. 
so he may be getting kicked out of Mar a Lago. <laughs> Oh, that would just be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the weirdest thing, too, is that... Uh, so he also owns three adjacent homes uh, that he rents out for money. They're, they're two, I believe, the north of Mar-a-Lago. They're directly on the property line. It's three lots next to it with full-on, like, McMansions and whatnot. He could totally live in there. In fact, he could break somebody's lease to live in there. If you're if you're the landlord and you're kicking somebody out to move in yourself, that's legal under Florida law. That's a valid reason. You have to, I believe it's pay moving costs, but you can break that lease. He could have one of those little mansions. But he decided to live in the club, despite the fact that he had agreed to never do that. So, uh, I don't get it. Do not get it. Yeah. I mean, I think he's still kind of scrambled by, I'm sure what he actually wants to do is live in Trump Tower, but he's afraid to go, literally afraid to go back to New York now. Yeah. I don't know how much he'd really interact with the rest of New York up in Trump Tower. I mean, was Trump the type of guy to go get a hot dog on the street or go for a stroll in Central Park? It doesn't seem to me. Yeah. Those places seem dirty, you know? He's a billionaire. He wants to live in his gold-plated condo up in Trump Tower. McDonald's still comes on Uber Eats. So. Yeah, shit. <laughs> he can order the hamburgers he wants. Tried to pronounce mm-hmm. that more with a D for, for the callback. It didn't really work. <laughs> All right. To get back to the earlier question, I feel like there is a chance that if he did something suitably unhinged on the Senate floor, he might knock lose a few more votes yeah maybe piss mcconnell off enough to yeah stand up for the decorum of the building i don't know um yeah it's kind of depressing to me that all these are maybes like you'd think in a rational world that somebody getting up there and doing all that would just lead to them being thrown out (laughs) like almost immediately like if nixon had gone to trial and during the trial, it said, I meant to kill you all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be saying, that could be bad for him. I'm not sure. Oh, my God. And the Republicans didn't have, what was it? Uh, was it Bob Dole in the Nixon uh, impeachment who told him the jig was up? Yep. Yeah. They, they didn't have a Bob Dole figure this year. Even McConnell couldn't do it. He stopped talking to Trump, and that was about it. He wouldn't even whip for the impeachment. He just he made it clear to every Republican that he expected no certain vote from them and that it was a completely free vote of conscience, which probably cemented Trump getting off. Like, if he had whipped for it, if he had actually stood up for it, there might have been a chance, but he couldn't stand up to Trump. He couldn't bring his caucus into line with you know what was necessary to save his party. He just he wasn't up to the moment. Yeah, and then he voted for the the whole thing is illegal, so let's just not do it resolution. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, put it behind us. Well, I mean that's what he wants. Let's try and forget it ever happened. But yeah, there will be a trial anyway. Yeah, um, a trial without Chief Justice Roberts, who's uh, I guess sitting this one out. It's going to be Patrick Leahy. Uh, Overseeing the trial. Unusual, but not unheard of. Um, 
it tends to be the senior senator for um, lower uh, impeachments, impeachments of federal judges and whatnot. Uh, so just kind of weird that the president is not uh, being presided over by the chief justice. I guess he just. He's a former one. president. He yeah. no longer ranks, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Roberts decided it wasn't worth his time. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder if that's kind of possibly pre-signaling, too. Yeah. What do you mean? What happens if this goes to a Supreme Court appeal? Um, I, I think that's a possibility. I think it's probably... Okay, I don't want to put a likelihood percentage on it, but I do say there's also a possibility that Roberts just doesn't feel like he can be impartial at this point. I mean, he is an institutionalist, I think, much more than McConnell is, and McConnell is already very much an institutionalist. Um, yeah, I, I think he... I don't think this is what's happening. I think it's a possibility of what's happening. I don't read Robert's mind on anything, literally anything. I didn't think he was going to climb down from the cliff on the abortion thing. That came as a honest surprise to me. Um, but I... I think it's possible Roberts just doesn't feel like he can be impartial and also you know if he says anything it's gonna potentially if these case gets to the Supreme Court or something it might come back to bite him you might have to recuse what 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 can't save the Republic that sort of thing right mm -hmm. and I guess practically speaking it's not going to the Supreme Court because they're not going to find him guilty so yeah very true <laughs> Um, speaking of the Senate, we seem to be cementing in as going for reconciliation to pass COVID relief. That seems to be the plan as of this point, a party line vote. It's becoming clearer and clearer. Um, probably what was expected. The Republican like Problem Solvers Caucus put out a last-ditch effort for a $600 billion COVID relief plan, which is... Largely being seen as a signal that, yeah, okay, cool, time to go reconciliation. <laughs> well, exactly, because, I mean, that's just, that's a complete non-starter. It's completely mm -hmm. inadequate to what's needed. So, yeah, yeah, I think, good. <laughs> but, you know, like we said, uh, was it last week? You know, ram it on through, Bernie. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is, it is time. It is time to move. And also, you know... The Senate's hanging by a thread, and the map in 2022 is not great for Republicans, um, but it's not great for Democrats either. It's a lot of purple states, and you expect the midterms to be kind of bad to the party in power. So I really do feel like we need to show much more that we are doing something, that, that we are making actual changes. You know, if we've yeah. got a two-year shot at this... Don't play it safe. Go for Brown. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of ground that needs to be made up, both, you know, just in making people's lives better, and that's, you know, what COVID relief is about, but also exercising our priorities and keeping our own supporters interested and active, you know. So, yeah, do what we can right now. And uh, hope that will keep us from getting completely wiped out. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I do feel good that it shows some uh, institutional learning. Yeah. Like, you know, Biden had made a lot of sounds about how, well, when I get in there, I'll be able to work with them. And I was hoping at the time that he was smarter than that, that he actually remembered the first two years of the Obama administration, never mind the rest of it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's looking like he did. You know, that's at least we'll see if they can get the entire Democratic caucus to act on that memory. But, yeah, Biden at least seems to understand that if he doesn't get it done in these specific uh, procedural manners, then he's just not going to have – all he's going to have are these executive orders – many of which could eventually be either overturned by the courts while he's still in office or immediately by you know, any successor that comes around, at least if they're a Republican. Mm -hmm. The, uh, I don't know, just the pathway is so narrow for us and so frustrating to know that like this could all come basically screeching to a halt in two years. Um, it's yeah. not nothing. On nothing. It could end sooner than that. I mean, Leahy was in the hospital this week. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's very much true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Leahy is old. He's a senior yep. senator, as I mentioned previously, and that's why he's going to be presiding over the impeachment trial. Um, also, been in five different Batman movies. Mm -hmm. It's my, my favorite Leahy trivia. The man loves Batman movies enough to get himself in the What's the, the secret, Chris? How does a senator from Vermont make it in, into Hollywood? I don't know. I I do need to read up on that more. Yeah, I, I remember he was in, you know, I remember Batman Begins and Dark Knight. But yeah, he's, I guess that's his thing. <laughs> wonder how he got onto that kick and yeah, how he got cooperative directors. Because if it's been five, then... Clearly, it's been more than just one director. So it wasn't just Nolan. It was also... Yeah. So it started in Batman Forever in 1995. Really? Then he was wow. in Batman and Robin in 1997. Then he was okay. in The Dark Knight in 2008. Dark Knight Rises in 2012. And Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice in 2016. And in wow. addition to those five movies, he also played the governor in Batman the Animated Series. As a voice oh. actor. <laughs> That is really wild. Huh. All right. Clearly, I need to um, do some research and report back on this next week. <laughs> so, yeah, this is your senator, man. <laughs> He's also an illustrated character in three different Batman series. Uh, Batman The Dark Knight uh, Archives, Volume 1, came out in 1992. He's in Batman Death of Innocence, Innocence the 1996 graphic novel. And he's in Green Arrow, The Archer's Quest, the 2003 Green Arrow anthology. So yeah, he's he's super big into DC superheroes, and he yes. always yeah he always tends to play either a political figure or some well-heeled gentleman. He's an auction bidder, for example, in uh, Batman and Robin. Hmm. Yeah, always a rich guy or a politician. Right. Huh. I don't know. This is not looking good for Bernie Sanders in terms of being the most cool senator in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to get Bernie an IMDb page, quick. Yeah. 
He's got the memes, though. It's a different yeah. cachet. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess we're going to talk about the GameStop thing for a little bit, which is only vaguely political. It's mostly economic, but it's causing an uproar uh, with politicians of both parties, um, although people are yeah. telling Ted Cruz to sit the fuck down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I guess this is going to take a bit of backstory here. So in 2019, there was a poster on the Wall Street Bets forum on Reddit, um, which is investing for people who are really dumb. I mean, if you <laughs> want to see somebody lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in minutes, there is a video on there. It's a guy who discovered a bug in Robinhood that let him leverage $5,000 through a uh, Various like called shorts into the platform, loaning him like three hundred and five thousand dollars, which he labeled his personal risk ceiling as <laughs> what he was comfortable with. Uh, then puts the call and watches the call fail over the course of like a minute and forty five seconds, and he loses everything. It is Boy. yeah, it is the four chan of investing. Anyway. <laughs> This guy makes a post, and he does some digging into the analysis, and he notices something. GameStop stock is, is pretty well tanked, but they have very few debts, and they also have a lot of cash on hand. Um, this normally will equate to a higher stock price. Uh, and he called this out, and he thought it was uh, potential for... Uh, some real profit there, because he thought the stock was being undervalued. And so he started putting money into it, and he made posts weekly on Wall Street Bets about GameStop. Every single week, he had a post on there um, about what was going to happen. It was largely made fun of by people, but eventually, after like a year and a half, it became enough of a meme that people started buying into it um, and buying GameStop stock. And let me break out into some economics for just a second here. GameStop stock was not low because it had like bad debts or it didn't have cash. GameStop stock was low because the company is about to go out of business. <laughs> they, they sell used physical game media, um, which largely does not exist anymore. Uh, the video game industry almost exclusively sells digital copies now where you download them. That's how all yeah. the consoles work. That's how the PCs work. I own 1,600 games on Steam. I don't have a single box for any of them. Well, not to mention, you know, big big box retailers and, you know, just omni retailers like Amazon can also get you physical media if you absolutely want it, and usually mm -hmm. for cheaper than GameStop. Yeah. So the, the shorts that he was noticing that he was attributing to being what was driving down the price are really just people betting on when GameStop is going to go out of business. Yes. <laughs> it's going to happen in the next you know few years, and, and they're just making bets over when exactly it is. Um, but through the power of memes on Wall Street bets, he got enough people to start buying GameStop that the stock started going up quite a bit. Like, it was down under $2, um, and it exploded to up over 20 bucks a, a share. Like, just insane growth. You know, hundreds of percent. And then uh, it was enough that a lot of these shorts were failing. Where hedge funds were having their shorts called and owing just shit tons of money. There is no maximum downside on a short. 
You are borrowing a stock from somebody. You are selling it, thinking it's going to go down so that you can buy it back later and give it back to the person you borrowed it from. The stock can go up as much as it wants. There is literally no limit to the maximum amount of money that you can lose. So if you're shorting a stock at like a buck fifty and then it rises to twenty dollars, you know, you're you're losing a shit ton of money. Uh, to the point where one of the hedge funds had to borrow tens of millions of dollars for, uh, in a bailout from a couple other private hedge funds just in order to keep it solvent after its like massive GameStop short failed. Uh, so Wall Street's pissed. The people in Wall Street bets are just having the time of their life. They think this is the funniest <laughs> thing they've ever fucking seen. Uh, you have people buying into this at an insane place in their head. Like, have you seen some of these posts? About, you know, this one's for dad because Wall Street during the housing crisis took everything from the family, took the business, took the house, and this is for you, dad. We're sticking it back to, like, once you get it to that place in your head, man, there is nothing that is going to pull you off it. Just nothing. Um, and consequently, people realized they couldn't stop it uh, without just shutting the whole thing down, so... In a very heavy-handed way, that's what Robinhood, which was the stock trading app most used for this, which is, I'll talk about them in a second, but uh, they banned the purchasing of GameStop stock, uh, they forced sales of, of GameStop stock for people who had it in their por portfolios, people are outraged, this is primarily what politicians are pissed about, uh, they consider this market manipulation. Uh, Wall Street considers the people trading GameStop to be market manipulation. Uh, it sounds like they're both doing the same thing. It's just we're okay with the rich people doing it. Um, <laughs> and to be clear, I think everybody in the story is dumb. There is there is <laughs> nobody in the story who is smart at all. Except maybe that like nine-year-old kid who invested the $40 he had in GameStop in like 2018 and got 5,000% return and sold it all last week, by the way, which is what the smart person would do. Right, exactly. You know, on Wednesday, yeah. get it out the door while it's out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, though, that's not the memes, though. The memes are saying, keep, hold, hold it, hold it, and destroy everything. Yeah, which, that's not going to happen either. Yeah, no, GameStop will not have a market in, in a very short amount of time. Like, it is on borrowed time. It's still a dog shit stock, and eventually it's going to be yeah. back to 10 bucks a share. Yeah, it, sure. It doesn't owe anybody money, and it has a decent stockpile of cash. But it's not going to have anything to sell to people very nice. soon. <laughs> like, there is no future. Uh, anyway, there's going to be congressional hearings. They're already scheduled. Um, I guess the SEC is looking into some things. Um, Robin Hood is the worst idea for a company you could possibly imagine. Not because it lets people buy and sell stocks. I think that's great. Uh, but it's made by a bunch of tech bros who have zero idea, idea about financial regulation. There has been just five years of things coming out. Remember the bug I started the story with? Where a guy was able to leverage a couple thousand dollars into $305,000 or whatever it was? 307000 because of a bug in Robin Hood? <laughs> uh, it took them forever to introduce know-your-customer type stuff, um, and they ended up 
pulling out a bunch of functionality when they found out it was illegal. These guys just really have no idea what they're fucking doing. So I do not imagine an SEC investigation is going to go well for them. No, no, I wouldn't think so. Uh, yeah. That, that's the GameStop story, in short. Uh, it's been everywhere on the internet. Uh, AOC and Ted Cruz ended up on the same page and then yelled at each other for a little bit. Or really, AOC yelled at Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz ran it on. He, he right. didn't really say anything after that well, point. She made a very good point that, hey, you, you just tried to kill me a week ago. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sit down, dude. <laughs> oh, man. It's a crazy time. <laughs> really is. I mean, that was you know, a little bit what I was getting at on the Facebook page, but it seems to me like this whole GameStop thing is just the Trump reality trying to reassert itself on the timeline, and <laughs> I hope to God that the timeline rejects it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I do have to say, to... though, on the... Sorry, go ahead, Chris. On the um, basic issue... I'm sort of with the uh, anarchists on this one, you know, because I remember the tech bubble. I remember when all these memos came out from the people who were publicly pushing the stocks saying privately, there's no way they're worth this much. Mm -hmm. Right. The market deserves to get slapped around a little. Oh, yeah. I, I was absolutely going to say I do appreciate the, the like, I know the app is called Robin Hood, but the other Robin Hood sort of, you know view to this where they're they're screwing over the hedge funds for like regular people and sure it makes no fucking sense in the realities of the market but the truth be told there's a lot of the market that makes no fucking sense anyway right. like, exactly. yeah so instead of like stockbrokers doing it it's regular people like i'm okay with that they're still dumb but i'm okay with it <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess for our only real local story, uh, our mayor, who is six months removed from being gassed by his own police force, decided to pepper spray a lawyer who <laughs> came up to him at, I guess, a store or a restaurant or something, kind of pissed. Um, it was a whole incident. It made the front page of the paper. Uh, there was quite a bit of irony about, you know, just kind of the method, considering the mayor had been gassed himself fairly recently. <laughs> so... Uh, I guess they've now sat down and, and brought it out. The guy has apologized to, to Wheeler. Um, he's a, a prominent Portland uh, lawyer who also happens to be heir to, I believe it's the Alpenrose Dairy family, which is yeah. um, headquartered out of Portland, uh, which caused much jovialness about the phrase dairy heir. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, the guys said he'll his complaints about the city in a more reasonable fashion in the future uh well, and i'm sorry what i thought it was about masking like wasn't the, the guy complaining that you know wheeler was eating without wearing a mask or something like that well it was about the hypocrisy of the mask mandate when wheeler would be out here eating without a mask right yeah okay yeah he thinks the city government is um just giant hypocrites on a lot of things you know trying to support you know, city residents, but not clearing out homeless camps where they're like overflowing with syringes and whatnot in neighborhoods, which okay. to be fair is happening. They stopped a lot of the sweeps uh, for the pandemic. Um, 
they figured it was safer to let people stay where they were. And now Powell is just like a mass of shanty towns. Like people put up um, like pallets and then wrap them in uh, tarps and whatnot to make little cabins and shit like that out there. They run generators and shit. I mean, each one has 20 or 30 people. They're at every single city parking lot uh, along Powell. Uh, and they really are like overflowing with syringes. There's fires that break out after them. The, the city needs some sort of like fucking clearing. Um, even just like they opened up Wapato as a shelter in the middle of the pandemic. So I'm kind of like wondering why they're not doing more to move people to the giant fucking facility with resources and social workers and whatnot. But I guess, yeah, they're just holding it off for the pandemic. Uh, a lot of people are pissed off about that. Uh, they view the city's response about safety and then in relation to the other things like the rise in murders, the syringes that are literally everywhere. Um, it's been the deadliest year in Portland by far for like a couple decades. Uh, there are shootings pretty close to every night. Uh, police responses are down just terribly by the numbers uh and yeah people are kind of fed up about it they view the city as hypocrites you know they're trying to keep everybody safe with the mask and public transit policy and you know capacity limits and all that but they're not really doing anything to keep people safe in other ways and yeah i do also think that particularly the homeless issue is one area where like city dwellers with some right-wing lingings can can really vent those frustrations and not be judged super hard for it it's like a, a safe topic uh whereas if you're out there being like you know abortion needs to be legal or keep all the or illegal or keep all the immigrants out or something like that you're pretty quickly flagged as like a bigot but yeah so our mayor now we know carries bear spray with him. <laughs> that was new information to us. Yeah, I guess it was only a matter of time since he's <laughs> I mean, not a very popular guy. Too, so. Yeah, uh, I mentioned this in the lead up too, but he barely won re-election. It it may have looked pretty comfortable. He won the runoff by like nine percent or something like that. But uh, the progressive vote split to a non-eligible candidate, a write-in, who got uh, like 10 or 12% of the vote in a lot of the city. And I believe Wheeler would have not survived that runoff if the voters who had voted for a, once again, non-eligible write-in, had voted instead for Sarah Inarone, who was carrying the progressive flag in the runoff. So Wheeler won, but I don't actually think he's very popular in the city. Just everybody else was worse. Inarone was a Stalin worshiper. Tanky nut, a tanky nut case, yeah. <laughs> voted for Stalin three times on one ballot in 2016. Three times. And the the other candidate, her votes weren't even counted. She was a, a she was a write-in in, in a, a race that was legally two people. So, yeah. Ah. Uh. Anyway, I think that about does it. You guys have anything to talk about? Yeah, I was just thinking before, I hadn't really seen much on our local side of things up here in Washington State. You know, still 
shots in arms, uh, legislature's meeting, but remotely. It's 2021. Same as last year, only we feel slightly less uh, apocalyptic. Yeah. All right. Well, have a good week, guys. All right. Next week. See ya. Yeah, see everyone then. <laughs>